Duri said, this is the Lord's business and uh, it has nothing to do with um, just anybody. It is the Lord's business. You, you have an apostolic call on you. You are a very humble man of God. And um, I see some hands on you and pronouncing an apostolic call on you and ordaining you. Um, you, you, have, you have lived in this space where you don't want to register that as a badge to carry I'm an apostle of God. But indeed, the Lord has called you as an apostle of God. And uh, once again, let me repeat this, that by you, starting from you, there's a generational curse. Actually, this thing was like how God handled Abraham. Um, Abraham's father couldn't reach the destination, and so he jumped to Abraham. And then Abraham began to produce a generation that was going to be a great inheritance unto God. So you have broken away from a curse, a generational ancestral curse, and starting from you are many generations to be born in the earth. And you are an apostle of God. And uh, the issue of design, I mean, you talked about it, the issue of design is an infusion. Um, and the, uh, the issue of design of the kingdom is an infusion that the Lord will continue. You, you are going to enter into some tremendous um, experiences um, going forward from this moment. There's going to be visionary experiences, unusual dreams, vivid definition of structures that needs to be planted. And God is going to just begin to bet things out of you and give you resource, give you relationship. In those relationships, there are a lot of gold. Resources coming to you helping you and steering you god bless you sir it's beautiful it's beautiful how god works huh? amen amen yeah. i receive and i receive uh, as you as you just said i uh, i'm somebody that uh, god has given me grace not to um you know people have had time to introduce me when i'm doing my meetings because I have no profile. <laughs> I don't be, I have no title. I have, because I find that everybody was lost in the body of Christ. Many are lost in those, uh, I, I, call, I call them destruction of mundane, uh, you know, imitations. And uh, they want to do the things of God, the world way, the worldly way. While we are into a new, we are in the kingdom business where we need to be shaped completely from uh, uh, the fleshly, uh, uh, you know, culture and, uh, and uh, be uh, changed and transformed from within. And let the Holy Spirit teach us the new mentality of the kingdom so that the light of the gospel can shine through us and then this world will be saved. Like I'm, I'm shocked and uh, to see the world today, uh, that the church today has not, up to now has not made an impact that can save the world. For example, lack of discipleship in the church has made us to raise government, to put the whole government system of the world into the hands of unbelievers. And you know, during the vote, the voting, time, <laughs> so voting candidate, we have no choice but choose 
the unbelievers who are lying to us for their own interest, and we send them in the office and we say we'll be praying for the government. While we were commissioned to uh, raise and, uh, you know, uh, to disciple uh, the, 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 the converts, the people who came to Christ, and, and train them to go into the whole world system and, and bring the kingdom dominion impartation in the world. We are here representing the kingdom of God and the embassy has to be alive, doing well and represent, in representing Christ. So uh, it's about time we, uh, we read, uh, the Lord helps us and walks through us to raise a true army of the Lord so that the light, I'm not, you know, I, 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 I'm really, 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 uh, you know, uh, grieving in my heart to see that the church is, has not, uh, you know, st stood in its place to really represent Christ as it should. But that's the work we have to do. Thank you. Whoa. Now, just before I start, um, I'm not going to be lengthy today. There are about three major themes out of Ephesians chapter four on my heart. One of them is in my notes in just about two slides. The other ones are before me here. And I'm going to try to figure out after that slide, which one I should chase after um, as we get into the discourse. However, um, we are spirit-filled people and we are people that, that are chasing after God. So I wouldn't want to jump the gun. Um, just when this whole thing is swelling up among us, I wouldn't want to jump the gun. So just if any of us have any comment, any thoughts um, um, that you want to throw in before I get into all of this, from my side, I mean, that would be beautiful to hear you drop um, some dynamics to this conversation to any of us, any of us, any of us. Kelvin, any thought, Amzad, any yeah. thought? Yeah, I have a, I have a thought um, about what Pastor Williams said and his, um, his heart for the, the body of Christ and for the church. And you have been giving um, the remedy, talking about the graces that were given to us, the measure of Christ's gift that was given to the church um, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so, I mean, it's almost like um, two things are happening simultaneously, like you are bringing up the things that God is calling us to, that answers the question that that um it just brings something is happening here something is something is is swelling something is happening here i don't think that it was an accident uh that pastor is on uh today i, I just really thank god for him and for um uh, agreeing to come on i wasn't expecting this to happen i just wanted you all to meet but i'm telling you god had different plans so he's doing something and um one of the things that I enjoy doing, I haven't always enjoyed doing this, but I've just enjoyed doing is staying out of God's way. 
and letting him, letting him do his thing. So this is just, yeah, this is just <laughs> tremendous. This is tremendous, I tell you. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I love the things that God has been giving you um, these past few weeks, uh, uh, Pastor Mark, and uh, it's been just what we've needed, giving us something to not just think about, but something to be activated. Something is being activated uh, in the course of this. So I'm just really looking forward to hearing more. Thank you. Um, yes, Mark, one thing I just want to throw in here, um, you know, Pastor Williams talking about, uh, make, talking about like the true calling. Uh, we have a lot of people out there who have name cards and he was referring to that. That's something that I hold very close to my heart and not projecting something that I am not, not seeing something mm -hmm. that I'm not, or not claiming to be something that, you know, um, and so I have the same problem he was talking about, like sometimes people don't know how to introduce you. So my name is Amzad, so just call me Amzad, just as how you came on the call, Mark, and you said, my name is Ah, my, my name is Mark. So we go by that. So, you know, I think the real deal here, Mark, is we're in a challenge, we're in a toss up between the authentic, the real versus the cosmetic, what is unreal, what is a show, what is made up. And so... The real must outshine the unreal. The authentic must show itself to the cosmetic. Okay, so that's just my talk. That's beautiful. Um, Hanifa, I, I guess you want to make some comments, right? Hello, Hanifa. Okay, maybe um, that could be by mistake. I am sorry. You know? I'm sorry. Okay, I'm on go, go, the bus go. and I can't hear. I can't hear properly. So you'll have to excuse me. That, that's beautiful. Is there somebody around you who has issues with this or a leg or something? We want to pray at the end of this call. So, um, I mean, any health condition um, for anybody we cannot believe for. Well, so we'll get to the end of the, the call and we'll pray. <laughs> hopefully Beautiful, beautiful, and and um, I want to I want to make a comment, and then I say something to Kelvin, and then we pray, and then I, um, I I say something to Kelvin, I say something to Kasli. Kasli, uh, if you can hear me, please write this word somewhere. Write it down in a diary or a sticker. Stick it to the wall or by your decks, your computer, somewhere, somewhere, stick it there. And the word is partnership. The word is partnership. This word has one arm running into the current organization you are working for. And this word partnership has another arm that is running into several things. So write this word partnership down. That is um, costly. And, um, I'll make Kevin last so that we pray and then I start. Now, um, the issue of concern or critical concerns, as we may call it, where um, we have all kinds of things messed up within the body of Christ. As a result, authenticity is lost. And the battle, indeed, that we are dealing with has to do with authenticity. So 
you'll find words currently, currently, you'll find words, a number of words in within the body of Christ that are being ostracized, misused, misapplied, and 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 to, to the point of being trampled and church to death. One of the word is apostolic or apostle. Another word is the, is the prophet or prophetic. And the third one is the word kingdom. The word kingdom. These three words and many others um, have been placed on the altar of religion, misused, misconstrued, misapplied. And I listened to uh, one great, 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 great man of God. Uh, I didn't know one of my dear friends happened to be one of his dear friends. I mean, this guy is a Jew. He lived in America. He was a former atheist, became born again, great apostle. And he bet, he bet to defend the word apostle and prophet even with his life that he jealously guards it because um, those two words in the new testament have the capacity to unveil certain dimensions of the glory of god that ordinarily wouldn't have been wouldn't have been seen um, if properly seen through and all of that so we have a whole bunch of stuff we we within the body of christ will be grappling with in the years coming um, um, as we continue to see correctly through the lenses of the father so that we can bring red definition to some of these things. So some of the discourse that we are having um, would have to lead to that conversation where, where we begin to define truly who an apostle, who a prophet is, what the kingdom is and the dynamics that um, um, it plays within every sphere of human existence. So that is a comment I want to make. Um, Kelvin, the, the, I was chatting with you one of these days, um, a few days passed, and then I was mentioning to you we needed to meet and pray and all. Um, I feel I should release this word right now over you. And this word has to do with help. When I was chatting with you, the Lord amplified and that word stood clearly um, before me, not like a thing embedded within my heart, but a thing that is brought to the fore and presented to me and stood in my eyes, uh, before my eyes. And um, it felt deeply to me that you have entered into a certain season of remembrance and divine help, divine help, divine help, um, like the rush of many waters, divine help is upon you. So uh, on this note, I want, I want us to just pray. And then let me, let me just talk for about 20, 20, 30 minutes at maximum. Then we can um, allow this thing to billow and rise up and expand itself in all kinds of dynamics as the mind of Christ is at work among us. So that the images that I could I can see, um, revelation that I cannot perceive correctly of Christ, understanding that uh, may not be properly shaped with me by your contribution, I can also be enriched and fulfilled. So let's 
Let's pray. Father, thank you that right now we take that word on heaven help and we apply it on everybody that is connected to this uh, discourse, this conversation right now. We pray in the name of Jesus, as your word says that you help Uziah and he prospered. And so we desire the same, that you help us and will prosper. I thank you for your mighty presence among us and that you will unveil yourself to us in a very profound and a mighty way. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving people voices in this place, voices on this call that men and women have become a voice to reckon with, have become a solution to reckon with, have become a wisdom to reckon with. And Lord, Father, thank you for the divine partnership that is upon us. Lord, we break every spirit of shame, every spirit of disgrace, every ploy of the enemy, every enchantment of the enemy against us. You said, let them gather together from far, let them draw near, let them speak a word, it shall not stand. Let them bind themselves together, for it will not stand. For the Lord of hosts is with us in this. In Jesus' name, we bless you, Father. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let me just this evening share something with you. Just very brief, let me um, share something with you. There are, like I said, there are about four things or three things on my heart that I would want to get into, but I'm going to do one of them from the slide, and then I will jump into the second one, and most probably I will push the third one to the next forum. Um, the third one on my heart um, is much more linked to the DNA of the ch church, that indispensable cornerstone, that spiritual template, for the church in all ages, that um, is locked into our DNA and code. Um, we, we would want to examine that in a particular way in looking at the, what is described as a fivefold ministry, because we cannot build the kind of community that ought to be built if we so neglect the place of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. If we so neglect those dynamics, we cannot build what is constituted through dynamics of the church if, um, or the ecclesia, because the church has become all kinds of things in people's mind. The ecclesia, if there is no merging of the head, the shoulder, the entire body dynamics at work. We cannot build that through ecclesia manifestation in the earth if apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and all do not appreciate their true place and how the dynamics of this building elongate themselves beyond them, that the importance and the value does no longer stay or stop with them. So that next week, we can swim into that a bit, but there is two things I want to deal with. The first one I'm going to deal with in this note has to do with um, a contest in which the gift of God is given. 
And that is going to once again expand our zone of sight. And I trust that the Lord will produce some level of discernment in us as we step out into the world around us so that we can begin to see things through the lenses of the Father's eye than maybe a religious set or um, our church or our belief and our faith um, kind of those colored lenses will drop off so that we can begin to see things much more deeply. And the second one, I'm going to speak uh, a bit more about the purpose, the purpose of the gifts of Christ, why that thing is given, and particularly as I want to focus on the work of ministry and define the issues of the work of ministry. Last week, we talked about how important it is for grace to be related, that it is not related on a wholesale basis, but that it must be strategic, it must be well thought through, that, for example, the work of a pastor will not just be left at just preaching in the microphone and walking away, but that the sleeves are rolled out and each unique individual within that community has grace that is translated and transmitted into his life to build him in his unique calling and destiny. It changes the way the pastor functions. It removes him from just locked behind the pulpit and that he will face his calling that expands beyond the pulpit and that gets him well involved and aware of the very call and dealing of God in the people that he or she may be called to mental lead and provide um, um, spiritual capacity to that will bless them. So uh, this evening, let's look at this particular um, issue. And that is, I want to talk about the context of the gift. And I want to look at the verse 8, particularly of Ephesians 4. Now, before I read, even though it's on your screen, before I read, let me make a comment again. I was in a conference um, during the COVID, just when COVID had blown out, everybody could not step out. I came across a post on LinkedIn and um, I quickly connected to it because I'm somebody who loves um, corporate management, leadership and business strategy and all of that. So I quickly connected to it and a date was set. They coordinated people all over the world I have never been in one single Zoom meeting to see, um, if not in the thousands or hundreds of people. My goodness. We have people from India, everywhere, everywhere, England, down somewhere, Nigeria, everywhere. And I sat in this Zoom meeting that was coordinated by um, this gentleman who is a um, leadership and management strategist and guru that people sought after fortune, fortune, whatever hundreds companies sought after. He's become such a household name. And he made a comment. And please listen to this and hold it in your thoughts as we drill through this verse. Briefly, he said, I've written books. And any of you can go to my website and they are there for free. Take my book, study it, design another book after that within your own 
African experience, for example, within your own context. Number two, if you want to have me do a forward for you, I'm ever willing to do it. Don't compete with me because it's not necessary to compete with me because there is no need to compete. And I'm sitting in this meeting and listening to this guy and wondering which kind of Christian is this, is this gentleman? And he said, don't compete with me. Don't set yourself against me. Build, let it expand. And I'm ready to do the forward with you, for you. And I'm ready to even allow my name to be used. Well, this is a world-class leadership guru, and management guru, that you can say, Mark Agaco and so-so and so wrote the book that you, you would have written. And I sat in the and I began to wonder, who is this guy? Then he went on and said, nobody's going to legislate this. Nobody's going to control this. And um, therefore, we develop and design principles as we, we go on so that we don't get this thing to off. Then at the tail end, he said, I am a Buddhist. And I don't apologize for being a Buddhist. I am awed and amazed that a Buddhist will express such high level of values that many believers will not walk in. I am, I am stricken. And then I ask myself, how does the kingdom of God expresses itself? Here is a Buddhist leading a meeting Believers sitting in there, some may be Buddhists as well, some may be serving some idol, and some, some may not even believe in anything at all, and they are all sitting there. And this guy is exerting a certain, exuding a certain value system that's almost like he's infallible. I want us to read this scripture carefully and let's examine a certain context in which the Lord gives his gift and that we can begin to think deeply and develop spiritual maturity and sight as we walk through the corridors of this earth to enable the purpose of God flourish in within our hearts. Solomon was a man of God. David was a man of God. David had a certain relationship called Hiram. Hiram was a hidden king. Cyrus was a hidden king. Long before his birthing, he was prophesied and described and the very things he would come to do. Cyrus came in and he declared and promoted the rebuilding of the foundations and the rising of the walls. And God called him his servant. David's friend Hiram, when he heard that Solomon had been on the throne, sent messengers, visited Solomon, brought gifts to him, and he said that, the, that God has chosen a man that is worthy to sit on this throne. And Hiram came into divine partnership with Solomon and helped in the rebuilding of rebuilding the temple and providing resources for the building process. It's important that we develop strong maturity, develop 
clear spiritual sight and to be able to pick those men and women even within the spheres of the world that God have ordained to be a people that will work for him. You know, he is this God who can even fire you like Saul. He fired Saul 20. When David was anointed, the Bible said, read the scripture carefully. The Bible said, um, a strange spirit, a depressing spirit, a tormenting spirit came upon Saul. Literally, this Saul was fired 20 years. There cannot be two kings. There's only one anointing. And that anointing, when it was put on David, it moved away from Saul. He no longer was a choice person and that a different spirit began to operate in him. We would have to appreciate that this God can have you work for him and he is God who decides what to do. So let's read this. Ephesians chapter four, there's a context in which the gifts of God are given. Ephesians chapter four, verse seven through eight. This is but to each one of us, to each one of us, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We did explain um, this issue of the measure of Christ's gift as being that qualitative measure of grace that makes an ordinary man to do extraordinary things. That pure strand that makes a man who is nothing an apostle, a man who is nothing a prophet, a man who is nothing pastor and on and on, a man who has no capacity to understand anything. There's one of the preachers, um, I think John, John Bevery, he said, he said when he was in school, he was very poor. He struggled with English, English language. He was just poor, 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 poor. Today, today his books are manuals used in the Bible school. That is God's grace at work. So this unique ability, this gift, that word gift is the word doria in the Greek, the qualitative method measure of that dimension of Christ that makes an ordinary man do extraordinary things. The verse, it says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And this is what I want us to examine. He gave gifts to men. That's the context. Apostle Paul was indeed actually quoting, drawing from Psalm 66, the verse 18. And this is what it says. It says, you have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. Same expression. And you have received gifts among men. Now you see the expression tilts off a bit. You have received gifts among men. Another translation says you have ordained gifts among men, even from the rebellious. So you see an extension given of the gifts of God, even to the rebellious. And this emphasis, the rebellious, this emphasis would mean unbelievers. The revolters. In fact, one translation said the rebellious actually means revolters. Revolters. It, it, another translation says enemies of God. Who does not want God among them? Can you, can you just observe what God is after? Enemies of God. Who does not want God among them? No expression of God. They want the voice of God to be harsh. They don't want anything to do with God. Yet God even ordained his gift. He he. He receives gift. He receives them as a gift unto himself because he has an investment in them. Enemies of God, who does not want God among them? It says that God, why did God do that? That God may dwell 
there, that God might dwell there, that God will, even in the midst of the unbeliever, will tabernacle and sit among them and exude powerful expression. So whilst I'm saying this, I want you to begin to expand your imagination and begin to look through the lenses of, of the Lord's eye and see the ordination of God or the receiving of gifts of God among the rebellious. Even around you, how there are men who could make decisions that would destroy everybody, but become an ordinance and a tool in the hand of God to move the purpose of God through. How there, are, there could be certain, certain shakings and upheavals happening across the world by certain persons who for their selfish interest, but indeed have become a gift ordained in, a, in, 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 the, in the hands of God to move his intent forward. It's important that we hear these things with grave maturity because the giving of these gifts, they are not ordinary. They are given for the promotion of his very purpose. That God will sit among them. Now, if you know Psalm 2, and you take some good time to read about Psalm 2, you will see the receiving of the nations as a gift unto Christ. And I'm not dwelling so much on that. So let's just pick a few principles here on this slide, and then I jump into something I have in front of me here. Number one, the rebellious... Um, also means people who have received gifts from God who said. It says, among the rebellious also, that the Lord will tabernacle and seamlessly find expression as of a thing of divine origin, powerfully settling among men and finding expression to fulfill the purpose of God. So um, um, we, we're going to see more of, more of things happening in the earth where God will pick men and women who ordinarily would have been um, an opposing partnership against the things of God to become a tool in the hands of God. Revelation 11, verse 15, it says, then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So something is happening as we open our hearts for gifts to be ordained and that God will find expression among men. So this is the first thing I want to provoke your thought with and, and that we begin to scan and zoom in and, and understand where the dealings of God is happening among the believers and even among the unbelievers, that the rebellion becomes a tool in the hands of God to serve and promote and reveal God. The second thing I want to touch on, and it's going to be a bit, um, I'll do 15 minutes on this. I may cram some of them, but just permit me. I'm going to do 15 minutes on this. Then let's get interactive, inter interactive over this. The purpose of the gift. Why did God give this gift? So let me just go back to um, just and leave it on the slide. Why did God bring this gift to us? Why are believers being equipped? What is that for? So the purpose of the gift is that. Believers will be equipped. We said that last week, verse 12 of Ephesians 4, and I'm reading down to the verse 14. 
for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man with the measure, to, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So the first thing we see here is the equipping of the saint. And we touched on that word deeply last week. Equipping, equipping, equipping. That there has to be relating grace in a particular way. Secondly, is the executing or execution of the work of ministry. And maybe I'll build on that a bit today. Then the edification of the body of Christ. Then we will prop up and come to knowledge and maturity of the fullness and the stature of Christ that we arrive at, at a perfect man. And the unity of faith and the establishment of Christ's doctrine. The establishment of Christ's doctrine, not, not you see, we, we all meet on Christ. We, if we have differences and we all begin to look at Christ, we can drop that difference. If we have all kinds of religious beliefs and we zero in on the cross, we all will arrive. And that, that issue of um, unity of faith and to um, this whole expression of the knowledge of the Son of God, it is not my church's revelation. It is not the other uh, group of people's revelation, but the knowledge of the Son of God. It's about establishing in the doctrine or being established in the doctrine of Christ. Now, there's one author, uh, Dr. Stephen Crosby. He said the word equipping, let me just refresh your mind. The word equipping in Ephesians 4 means to mend set a bone in place or build up. It is a structural term. It is a structural term. Just begin to think about building, begin to think about laying out the foundation. I am desiring to build a house. And I was thinking I'll just, I'll just get the guys and they'll go and they'll start digging after they measure everything and they'll start digging and then and then um, my architect told me, he said, we have to do something called profiling. I said, what is that? He said, we have to, we, we have to design, we have to use boards and all kinds of things. Um, we will do design the building on the ground and then we cut it out probably. I said, okay, okay, it's up to you. If, if we are ready, you go there and do your profiling because I thought the building would have just risen from the ground. So begin to think about this whole issue of structure, design, begin to think about, once you think about design, you are thinking deeply about issues of architecture, that there has to be a design and that design has to be replicated. So the issue of equipping will not just happen because I threw, I threw out a series of messages, but then I have to be deliberate and we have to be deliberate. Church leaders, pastors, um, administrators, we have to be deliberate. What we teach must be deliberate. It must be well-targeted. It must be driven at provoking a certain spiritual culture to emanate out of the people we lead. The individuals that we relate to as the grace of God we're allowed to be ministered to 
we must deliberately, deliberately build certain core in them. It says that it means to add form and structure and by inference to beautify, to beautify. So remember, we talk about removing the dent, um, correcting that which is protruded and gone out of shape by properly outfitting the saints and getting them functioning in form and in structure to produce results that extends beyond what the earth will define. The, the efficiency for minister is not responsible for controlling structure, for controlling and manipulating structure, but for, of, for functioning saints to create structure, to create structure, to build them, to minister to them particularly as prophets will do, apostles will do, and make them to begin to think like how an apostle would think and behave. Make, a, make them to begin to think and behave like a prophet. But in essence, in essence, it says of the ministry is not coming up. Um, okay, let me jump over, over all of this, all of this, all of this. He has so many things he's saying there and come to this because I'm managing my time. So if the Bible says for work of ministry, I'm just picking that first, first uh, second line after equipping, for work of ministry in the verse 12, the word ministry is diconia. It's diconia. It infers the following. It means the following. It means service. It means ministering under instruction or command. So as much as there is no issue of control, we are seeing some divine order, some divine formation. You know, it is very easy. People today say, okay, we're seeing God for ourselves. We're believing God for ourselves. We're knowing God for ourselves. And we, I see a lot of young men beginning to fall away into disorder. As much as divine revelation is coming and opening us up, people like to do as they want, not under command. Under command doesn't necessarily mean an apostle have commanded you, but it speaks clearly of coming under divine government. That is a very broad very broad statement that can be explored even more. Coming under divine government, coming under self-restraint. The Bible talks about a, a person who cannot control himself is like a city without wall. It's broken, it's exposed. Coming under divine government means self-government. So it means the word means service ministry under instruction or command. John chapter five, Jesus will always say, whatever I see my father do, I do. It says the son can do nothing of himself. So there has to be structure, definition to life, divine government, divine government. And within the community, and let's talk about issues of administration and management and all. Within the community, people have to position themselves under divine government. So long as you've chosen to be part of a community, a family, you know, um, in certain communities, when you walk in there, you wouldn't even know who is the leader until, until there is such a situation where they will have to activate that, that capacity to speak and deal and ameliorate and administer grace in a particular way and cause things to be in a particular way. 
that is a very beautiful or um, uh, what we could describe as an ideal, an ideal community of God. But people must learn to know and design the lines. Let me give you a description again. Um, Anderson is a friend. Anderson is a brother. But Anderson is a senior brother. That's that dynamics. Kevin is a friend. Kevin is a brother, but Kevin is a senior brother. I have to relate to Kelvin. I have to relate to Anderson on levels that allows me to be able to hold them up and know when they are playing, know when Anderson is playing, and know when there is, there is structure coming and proceeding out of heaven. I must be able to live in that place of maturity. Number two, the word ministry, which is diaconia, also means office. Says for people to leave out of their office. So office as in uh, capacity of, of an apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist. So there are people that are among us, around us, called into certain capacities. And that is an office. So they are supposed to be equipped for them to minister in that office. That word also means vocation a nurse, a teacher, a driver, an accountant. Now, if, if we begin to link the word perfecting or equipping or to perfect the saints properly to this definition, how do I, who, or somebody who is an apostle, who is a prophet, who is an evangelist, who is a teacher, who is a pastor, how do you relate your grace to a man of vocation, a nurse, a teacher, a driver, an accountant, etc.? That is a very deep place of exercising ministry. To for the work of ministry means vocation. The word means the ministration of those who render to others the offices of affection, especially those who help to meet needs by either collecting or distributing of charities. So, I mean, you can talk about helpers, financiers. I am supposed to relate my prophetic grace uniquely towards all these persons. And even to the granular level of the unique individuals that constitute this broader group. So you can appreciate that the word ministry is all encompassing in several ways. Therefore, the little phrase work of ministry extends the ministration of the fivefold leaders beyond the pulpit life beyond the four walls of the meeting place of what we call the church to be among the people. The word work of the phrase work of ministry for the saints involve these fears. And I'm going to just touch on these fears quickly and then um, I will stop. Let me repeat it again. The work of ministry for the saints involves these years and even more. One, contributing to the total edification, growing up, and well-being of the local and the universal body. Total body growth. Total body growth. That is another set of teaching we can begin to look at. How do we attain total body growth? That the saints will all come, every joint supplies, every ligament given off, nobody holding back it is it is it is not allowed it is not permitted when the fivefold ministry is set properly among us 
tabernacle properly among us and is functioning, there is total eradication of people holding back capacity of not contributing. So the, the work of ministry will constitute contributing to the total edification, the growing up and well-being of the body, of the well-being of the body. First Corinthians chapter 14, the verse 26. I love this. It's one of my breakthrough scriptures. It says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has, has a son, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. 14, 26. Number two, the phrase for work of ministry for the saints means preaching. We must not take that out. Preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. However, preaching takes different forms. Preaching takes different forms. Preaching means to lift up your voice and speak and declare. Preaching means to evidence it, to make it manifest, to make it tangible, to leave it out. The work of ministry is that we ought to leave the gospel out, exemplify it. So let me read this. If you were Joseph in Pharaoh's palace, you may certainly not be quoting a verse. Am I correct? If you were Joseph in, in Pharaoh's palace, will you be quoting, and the Bible said, and, uh, and God said, you, you couldn't be quoting that. So how do we live by making this preaching of the gospel to take on form evidence? However, However, you will have to effective, you have to effectively write economic policies that transform the nation and saves entire generations from destruction. Also, just like Daniel, who led the entire kingdom of Babylon, who, who, who just like Daniel, who led the entire kingdom of Babylon to recognize the sovereignty of God. How would you do that if preaching is not just limited to the lifting of voice and saying, thou sayest the Lord? Because if you go somewhere, you say, thou sayest the Lord, they will kill you. You would say, well, I preach the gospel and they kill me. But sometimes you didn't apply the wisdom required. I, I, I tell you a story. There's a lady, a lady out of the States. She became my body body. She bought me even the recorder I use. There are some books I saw and I said, I wanted to order them if she would allow me to send the books to her address. She quickly asked me, do you want them? I said, yes, I want them. I want to order them. He said, I just want to know if you want them. And she bought the books for me. Very wonderful um, sister. And she, before we became friends, she never wanted to hear any word prophet because the prophets in Ghana went to America and sold salt directed people to buy salt and sprinkle it around their houses and all of that. The prophets from Ghana brought certain tokens and emblems to sell, to make money. So when they gave my contact to her, they told her that he's called Brother Mark. And so I also, I also spoke to her and I said, my name is Mark. And I work as an auditor for 
this and this company. And I'm trying to manage my own small business on the side. And uh, I love to go to church and all of that. So we got talking for hours. And boom, whilst we're talking, the prophetic word began to. And she didn't even realize I was prophesying and describing things in her life until these prophecies began to fulfill themselves. One of such prophecies, several of them, one of them concerns the marriage and other things. And one of them concerns she visiting Ghana. She was at age 13 or 15 when they took her out of Ghana to America. And I gave her word, you're going to come to Ghana, you sleep in the darkness, they will take the light. It was just like a jovial thing. God have a sense of humor. And she, I was there when I got a call that she's in Ghana. She called me and said she's in Ghana. And the lights were indeed out. She slept in this darkness for about a month. And then we got talking one of the days and I'm like, do you remember this whole issue of coming to Ghana, you said, my goodness. Then she said she wanted to visit our meeting and that she's visiting Brother Mark's church. When she visited Brother Mark's church meeting, it was Brother Mark who was the leader of the place. She said, I now believe I would, I, I, I have a different perspective altogether. So there are people who will not hear your thou sayest the Lord. If you go doing that, they will kill you. There are certain places if you want to cross with the Bible, they will slaughter you. How do we evidence this? If you were Joseph in Pharaoh's palace, what would be your conduct? If you were Daniel inside Babylon, how would you carry, carry yourself? So if you were Paul before Felix and Agrippa, will you equally, uh, you will equally apply yourself appropriately? You will equally apply, apply yourself appropriately. Take some good time and steady post interaction. I think that is Acts chapter is it 26. Just look at that interaction. The way Paul carried off an appeal. That um, um, one of these leaders had to shout at him and say, Paul, you are beside yourself. Too much learning has gotten you mad. That in, even upon listening to Paul, he almost wanted to give his life to Jesus Christ. But to things from deep intellectual realm and was speaking and this guy quickly called the spirit of God and realized that I'm heading to the path of being born again. The work of ministry is massive, it's, it's, it's powerful, it's explosive and we have to build people right and ready people for the world to come. Number three, number three, doing the work of an evangelist is, is, is doing the work of ministry. This is for all believers, being it a lawyer, preacher, doctor, accountant, whoever. This is all our collective call to do the work of an evangelist, get people into the kingdom. Number four, number four, exercising yourself in your specialized gifts, talents, callings, profession, and graces which must function in tandem with God's salvific plan, not a sole focus filled with monetary interest. I am a professional and I'm chasing after money. My accountant is well, it's all about money, money, money. The profession must be filled with redemptive purpose and influence, work of ministry. The profession must be filled with redemptive purpose and influence. So people must begin to ask themselves, 
Why am I in this capacity? Why did God allow me to be an accountant? I have a dear friend lawyer. He told me a dear story. A church, uh, the owner of the, the owner, the, the person, sorry, the person who established this community died. I think I'm going to stop very soon. I'm just on my last, last point on, the, in, on this particular note. The person died. And then elders of the community took part of the church or took people away. Then another group took the properties of houses and buildings and whatnot. And the children of this woman who established that community were left hanging for nothing. So the case went to court and somebody recommended my dear friend who is an apostle, but an international lawyer. If you see him preaching, you will love him. He has, he has his own style. And he said initially he didn't understand why he has to go deal with a case between church members. But along the way, he understood that he had to begin to mend the relationships. So they have to bring this matter out of court. They have to mend the relationship and heal the fracturedness that has taken place. So let's hear this. Let's hear this. In developing each believer for work of ministry, from the fivefold ministry perspective, the ministries are to impact the same fullness of Christ deposited and through uh, deposited in them and through their graces of an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor as conduits within each believer. That, that deposit must be translated into transmitted into each believer. These ministries are to extend themselves beyond generalized developmental approaches to taking keen interest in individual and dynamics of groups, ethnic groups, cultures, and whatnot of a people that constitute the household of God. I stop on this note and I promise I'll not be lengthy. God bless you. Apostle Kevin, over to you, sir. I am done. I am done. A lot inside of this. Yes. A lot inside of this. Any comments or any questions? Um, any comments or questions regarding what we've heard here? Um, yes, uh, Mark and Kelvin and everybody else on the call. So, so many things jumped out. Uh, Mark, right from the very beginning, where you started speaking about this person you were listening to in this conference and wondering if he was a Christian. So here's what I wanna say. Um, the Bible was written in a particular context, in a particular background, more of an Eastern culture. So what we've done, Mark, we've tried to interpret this Bible with our Western thinking, our Western belief systems. And so what we understand, the gifts of God were given in a Western society, we would say, my gift use it for my upliftment, my benefit. But in an Eastern understanding in the Jewish culture in that setting, when these words were spoken and these words were recorded, it is given in a corporate setting. And you mentioned the name Joseph. So let's go back to Joseph. When Joseph received a dream, which was his gift from God, he shared it with his family, his 
father, his mother, his brothers, and we thought that he was doing the wrong thing. But really and truly in that culture, that was the right thing to do. You had to bring everything to the corporate body. So this idea of how the gifts are being administered in terms of this Western civilization, Western thinking, completely different to how it was supposed to be given. So a lot of the misunderstanding, misappropriation, and things that you mentioned, the abuse and so on of these particular words, these gifts, these ministries, have come from a wrong understanding or a wrong concept of how it is to be given, how it is given, and how it is to be used. And so in our mindset and our thinking, we have to go back to that culture, that context, and see, well, what did God really mean when he said these gifts are given? It was given to men, yes, but it wasn't given to a man. It wasn't given to a man to build up his ministry or himself. It was given to a corporate body to build a body. And this is what you're zeroing in on, Mark. So if I'm understanding you right, this is exactly we're saying the same thing. Yes? And so that brings me to my next point. And the thing about it is um, how, how is it being fleshed out? And you're right, because... Not everybody is going to be a preacher in a church. I know maybe definitely not me. So how do I break this down to every person in every sphere of life? Because wherever you are, you represent the kingdom. And you may not necessarily be, as you're saying, in a church giving the word of the Lord all the time. So in every sphere of life, and this is what the apostle does. The apostle is an architect, a wise master builder. And he has this ability to see what's available. So he looks at the land. He looks at the space. He looks at what is needed and what can be supported. He looks at the availability of his resources, what's available to him, the people, the gifts, the finances, all of that are, are resources. He looks at the skills of the people. He looks at the skills that are available to build. And so now he begins building, just like Noah built. He looked at what resources were available, where he was, and that is what he used to build. It was just so happened. Where did, where did he exactly go to find this thing called pitch? You know, pitch is very abundant in my country. So I doubt he made a trip all the way down to my country to get pitch. So all of these things are important as we think about building, as we think about, um, first of all, the understanding of the gifts, the understanding of how the gifts are to be received and to be administered, and the understanding of how we not just use the gifts within a church setting because we are not going to be speaking church language all the time. On your job, Mark, on my job, we can be talking about Jesus and kingdom all the time, yes? There's stuff to do. And so how we administer in these different areas um, is the gift flowing out of us. So that's my contribution. I'm sure there may be more, but um, we're listening on. Yeah, yes, Kelvin, Pastor Kelvin. Yes. yes, Amazon, I mean, that, that's right on point. I mean, it's, I mean, we have to really consider context here because I know in my country um, and the philosophies of, uh, of what's going on, you know, there is a, a tendency to try to colonize and, and not only just, just in this country, I'm, I'm, this is the country I'm familiar with, but what I'm saying is there is a westernized 
uh, kind of mindset that hijacks a, an original context, culture, and meaning. And we have to we have to defer over to to what God is saying inside of uh, inside of these things. So um, I like the the Jeremiah model, which talks about uprooting, pulling down, throwing down, destroying, then building and planning. And so uh, one of the things that doesn't work either is to build on another foundation. You know, those things have to, many things have to be uprooted. And that continues to happen to me in my life. The continuation of uprootedness of things that have been planted there, that have been planted there by God, that have been planted there by religion, that have been planted there by tradition, and all those kind of things, good things that God can't use through me in this season for this time. So, um, yeah, there's something to be said. There's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for that. So uh, I, I appreciate you you bringing us back to that point about um, about westernized culture and thinking and ideology and those kind of things because uh, sometimes we can make things mean something that they don't that they don't mean that they actually don't mean. And so um, we have to put the meaning to it that the Lord would have for us to in the application, because we do have to, you know, it's Jesus prayed the prayer in John 17. Don't take them out of the world. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. So what does that look like? What is keeping them from the evil one look like? Uh, it doesn't look like removal. It doesn't look like running from. It looks like abiding and it looks like overcoming. So thank you, Amazon. Thank you so much for that. Anyone else with any thoughts or comments? I thought it was very interesting. This, this, this go is ahead, yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Brother Amazon. And uh, uh, Brother Mark, I was um, really uh, touched with um, the principles here. I would just touch one or two, maybe uh, equipping the sense, you know, um, as God, uh, as God has, has uh, Jesus has given the gift to the church of the fivefold ministry, Today uh, we we are not keen to equip, you know, to build correctly the church, you know, according to the design that God wants or wanted. How Jesus wants His church to uh, uh, look like, and that's why we don't pay attention of. Uh, building accurately, putting the structure right and design and, and building carefully. I, uh, when I'm talking to my uh, friends, my brothers uh, and sisters who lead ministries, I'm, I'm always having a question. The first question I will ask them, when God asked you to start this ministry, what did he commission you to do? What is your mandate? What did he tell you? How did he uh, tell you to build this ministry? And uh, I'm always shocked to see that uh, 
some of those uh, uh, ministers have no uh, right answer. Uh, so we have to go around, try to uh, try to start afresh teaching how to get a vision, you know, to understand your vision from God. And then today, so uh, the church is being built just for imitation purposes. And that's where the corruption came in. We saw like, uh, as, uh, as uh, Brother Kevin just said, the Western uh, culture has shown us uh, big things on screen TV. We see mega churches and everyone that starts a church, they have in mind raising a bigger congregation and they're raising a lot of money and having a big title and see all the benefits that come there. So which means they have their own hidden agenda to build their own business and using manipulating the name of the Lord and the word of God for their own interest, and which is a terrible thing to do in the name of the Lord. Uh, but if we really want to raise the ministry accordingly, uh, you know, according to the structure of the word of God, we have the word of God as the, the filled with principles. And then, uh, and then sometime, I believe it will be good if, uh, you know, the fivefold ministry is possible in the, you know, be within relationship and work together. But today, uh, every apostle wants to open a church a uh, prophet wants to open a church, an evangelist wants to open a church, a, a teacher wants to open a church. But in Antioch, it was different. The fivefold ministry were found in the local church and they were working together with not, no problem. And the church was doing well and they was, was, it was moving according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It was when the fivefold ministry were in prayer waiting on the Lord and fasting that the Lord, the Holy Spirit told them to set apart Saul and Barnabas and send them, commission them to the calling of God that, you know, to the work that God has already, uh, you know, ordained them to do. They knew it, but they were waiting on the, the, the timing of the Lord. So they sent them, you know, they became the senders uh, so, and they backed them up. So, uh, uh, and you see, the protocol now, the ex execution is done in order. There's a structure. The, the order is that pa Paul and, uh, and Barnabas will go do the ministry and come back home to Antioch to give report. And why? Because they, they respect protocol. They did not become you know, uh, heroes on their own overnight, but they knew that the order requires that that connection that accountability continues to be there. So the second part I want to uh, uh, talk about is just, you know, the equipping of the saints. We need, if really, if the church is discipled, if the saints are disciples in a local church, uh, while I was talking about not focusing on the raising a mega church, I think the focus should be on raising disciples discipleship because that's the model our Lord Jesus left us. He was not moved by the crowd, but he concentrated on discipling even when after healing, he healed the people without giving them a condition and did all the miracles for them. But 
uh, when he shared the message, the teaching, he called them to discipleship. He told them, if anyone wants to become my disciple, that's what he was calling for. If anyone wants to become my disciples, they got to deny themselves, uh, carry out uh, the, their own cross and follow him. So it was about discipleship. Once we disciple people, they understand that they have a commission of taking the light of the gospel in their domain in, of life, starting with their own families and their place of work, their career. Because everywhere somebody goes, a, a child of God is, spends most of their time, that's their platform, that's their platform to share the gospel. They have a work, a mandate of, of the work of, a, of an evangelist there. So that's why, uh, as we were talking about, I, I heard about Daniel and, and Joseph, they did not uh, need to say that, that says the Lord, they needed to live an, an exemplary life and then commu communication, the message, communicate the message that the Lord was giving, a timely message that the Lord was giving them at that time. And that, that message had power to change things because of their influential life, style, and the character uh, uh, model they portrayed. Let me just give you a quick example from my own uh, uh, life. Uh, I used to work uh, in a company in a big company here in Los Angeles, he had over 700 uh, employees. And then my position was very, very low. And, uh, but by the grace of God, I lived the gospel. And somehow within a few you know, years, people started pointing at me, sending people to me. I realized I became a counselor uh, in that company people will be coming to me for counsel and they will come to me for words of wisdom and others will come to me for, for prayer. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how that influence uh, uh, clicked in, but it was just because I did not hide my identity. I let the light of Jesus uh, shine through me. So, I want to stop here to give a chance to other people to give their comment. But I think if the church is properly discipling uh, the saints uh, to know how to serve the Lord among themselves and that our gifts are here to solve other people's problems, not to uh, enrich ourselves. Let me stop here for now, thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Sorry, let me just jump in for just a moment to just say that um, there's a there's a there's a there's a missing dimension within the body, and once again, people are, are turning to step into this carefree life. I, I know God for me and all. That um, when I became born again, um, there's a lady who is blessed memory right now. Um, I've had a number of people who mentored and discipled me, but that lady was a very instrumental person. Will even insist you do your Bible study? Who will even insist you write what you study? 
Google even pulled the cane physically. She caned for not having your quiet time and praying and coming to school. God used her to mold a lot of things and some confidence. Even my first, 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 foremost entrance and operating the prophetic, it was this lady who took me and placed me in front of 11 persons and prophesied to them because she was extremely, extremely prophetic. Extremely prophetic. She would, a woman, she would describe the depth and mention, and mention details and names and all of that. That woman murdered me. And we see in the Bible how even God uses, God used um, um, other men to mentor leaders of nations. So discipleship is a very huge conversation that must return to the block. We must examine new shapes and new heights of it and the new dynamics that is taking place to allow saints to come under instruction and command and forceful manifestation of their graces. It will change our meetings and gatherings to become an emissary basis where people are commissioned in their individual calling and deployed in their accountancy, in their lawyer, in their whatever capacity to go and eat up the world around them like viruses. Thank you, Kevin. I leave it to you. That was excellent, Mark. That was a really good, good that you, you brought that up. And um, I think about Timothy, who was mentored by his mother and grandmother. And um, Paul commended them for the installation of foundation that they put inside of uh, Timothy. But, um, and I had a woman like that in my life too, Mark, who was uh, very, very highly prophetic, as you said, and uh, a stickler for particular things that, that laid some real good foundation inside of me. And I, I really, um, really appreciated that. Um, it, is, it is probably too late to bring this up because we're about two more minutes for our time. And I know in Ghana, it's nine, uh, nine or 10 o'clock. It might be 10 o'clock there. But if we, can, if we can broach this next week, and it has to do with this, this lecturer, this Buddhist who, who deeply impacted you, uh, Mark, with some demonstrations of what would, what would uh, come across as uh, principles from the word of uh, values from the word of God. So I want to, I really want to, I had some questions about that, that I wanted to, um, questions and statements that I wanted to bring up about that. And I don't know if it would be good to broach that right now because it may take us well over into, um, into this evening. So, yeah, but if we can, I don't know if we can somehow broach this next week, I'd be very interested in and hearing some comments regarding it because it's, uh, I, I don't think that's something we can just brush over. Yes, yes, Kevin. I think, I think let's have a full load of, of that kind of conversation next week. 
And uh, let me just top up that to, to even get you thinking and maybe every other person thinking. Um, there, there is this workout I practice um, when I'm not fasting particularly. I do very intense workout, very intense workout. And apparently the guy who designed this workout is a gay. I discovered, <laughs> my goodness, I discovered he's gay. And I sit back and I wonder, but sometimes people get misplaced, you know, apostles get misplaced. They, you have Osama bin Laden, who is supposed to be an apostle of God, who can design out of the desert, design a whole network and be taking things down. And he's just causing chaos. He would have been an instrument in the hands of God if he had turned that gift and placed it in the hands of God. So the devil corrupts things. And even in that level of corruption, we see some um, glimpses of light and gold and depth of God only because he owns nothing. Everything belongs to God. And even in the midst of all of the dead, you still see that gold. You still can see some amount of light. And also, I would love to hear your questions and um, as well as what God is speaking into your heart because we are shaping things and um, we have to live in an, the environment we live in because you, you cannot cut yourself off and lock yourself in and become a, um, um, what's the word, what's the word, what's the word, you, oh, there's a word, there's a word lurking at the back of my mind. You, you just banish yourself into, into some. Like a hermit? Uh, like, a, yes, like a hermit. You just become a hermit and um, you are holy and you, you cannot relate to people. I, I, to, I told the story severally, Kevin, uh, even on Facebook Live, even during church, where, uh, that would be my last one, where I walk into my former office and there's this Muslim girl who was sitting there and I saw seven dwarves or five dwarves standing, seven, seven or so, standing around her. So I quickly dropped my bag and came and I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And this girl tumbles from a seat on the floor, slamming, slamming to the ground, the whole noise, bringing everybody from upstairs, downstairs, and rushing to the, to, to, to the reception area to see what was going on. And people were asking what is going on. And I, whilst people were standing there, I, this minister of God stood and said, you should never enter into her again. And everybody was asking what is going on? What were you saying? Who were you talking to? <laughs> that kind of thing. So we, we have to begin to live powerfully in the world we live in because God wants to showcase the world right in the midst of the deception, truth, the darkness, the light. Thank you. Those will be my thoughts. Beautiful. So we'll, we'll bring this up next week. We'll broke this next week because there's some things that I really have been thinking about and, and some things that I, I want to, to comment on regarding that. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, so um, I don't know, did you have any, any parting words, Mark? Are we uh, uh, something else that you wanted to do or say before let's, we let's just Let's pray for Hanifa. Let's just say a word of prayer over here. Um, Let's come against every spirit of infirmity. I don't know who, but every spirit of infirmity that has to do with um, 
the leg and eventually sitting in a wheelchair and that kind of experience and uh, uh, let us pray whether it's uh, diabetes or whatever whatever uh, whether it's linked to diabetes or whatever it is um, just around here just somebody around here we want to pray and just ask god for kevin i want you to pray because there's some healing grace uh, kevin let me prophesy to you your dad walk in tremendous healing grace and miracles and god is putting that thing on you god is throwing that thing on you that healing ability so pray over hanifa speak the word of god and um yes wow father we thank you we thank you so much you are the god that heals us you said in your word that healing is the children's bread healing is the children's bread father i thank you that our healing was bought and paid for your word declares that jesus was wounded for our transgression bruised our iniquity chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes, we are here. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak over the life of Hanifa and those that are around, whoever this uh, is for, Father, we're speaking, the grace of Almighty God be released upon for healing for um, those who are afflicted in the name of Jesus. Your word declares that you sent your word and you healed them all. We thank you and we praise you so much for the word of life and the word that is being effective inside of their bodies right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, that is being activated, it's causing healing to come and healing to flow through their body right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. We rejoice now because it's done. We thank you, Father, for the activating life of your word that is permeating throughout the body now. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the testimonies as a result that will glorify you and strengthen the faith of your precious one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, this is really good. Amzad, good to have you. Your comments are just direct and explosive and expands um, different horizons to all of this. Um, my dear Pastor William Buddhidiri, Beautiful, wonderful to have you. Alice, uh, God bless you. Hey. Bless you. Kersley, God bless you. Hey, man, what's going on? Bless yeah. you. I'm cool. What's up, Calvin? Hey, Cass. How you doing, Cass? Doing well, man. Good, man. Good. Good. Veronica yeah. still online? No, I think she left. Mm -hmm. You can drop her. She dropped her. She dropped off. Albert, Albert is not here. I think he's trying to close some financial reports for uh, maybe the year that has gone by. So he's been doing some running around as well. But this is beautiful. We will put the recording up there, uh, hopefully tomorrow or Saturday or Saturday. And then um, you cannot have access to it on YouTube and all the other channels. So God bless you. It's with great love, great respect, great honor carrying you in my heart and drinking from your graces as well. Thank you.